Thanks for listening to audio from Rockhaven Church. For more information on our ministry, please visit us at our website at www.rockhavenchurch.org. At our team meeting, Pastor Jason from Montevideo, right? And you all are praying for Montevideo and the kingdom work that God's doing over there. Everybody go like this. Yeah. He brings to the office this fantastic, in his mind, survey. And it is, a, remember a number of months ago, I shared with you some survey results and some t- statistics and percentages. Yeah, Jason shared one. And I'll tell you what, he sharing this information, I'm not so sure. I, I'm very encouraged by this at all. And he wasn't either for that matter. But it is kind of shocking that the statistics that I shared with you from surveys that were done in uh, 2020 and early in 2022, this one's kind of hot off the press as it's going through this, the, um, the condition, spiritual condition of the United States of America. Uh, it shows and shares what affirms, if you will, what I shared with you earlier, that our country and our culture is becoming ever more biblically illiterate. We do not have a biblical worldview. It is uh, currently 6% in the United States of America. It's declined over 50% in the last 10, 15 years. And as we go through that, we have to ask ourselves, why and what is happening? And so it's actually all the more appropriate that we're embarking on our study of what the statement of faith excuse me, what is the statement of faith of the Evangelical Free Church to which we are a part? So over the next number of weeks, we are going to look at 10 articles, and I'll introduce the first one today, that surmise what we believe based on biblical wisdom. I'll show you just one statistic out of this, uh, maybe two out of this survey. The first one is, is that they asked the question and asked if the Bible, right, The Bible, like all sacred writings, contains accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. And in the world today, 53% of people believe that, that the Bible is full of ancient myths, but isn't literally true. When it came to identifying, uh, and we'll kind of come back to this as we go through what... um, we believe, and the impact it makes, that's what we want to do with our study, with our time together. The truth that how we behave and how we conduct ourselves and how we think being directly related to what we believe, right? You can try to change your behavior, but what you need to do is you need to change what you believe. And so we want to show you what the Bible says. We want to go through this experience together. And the first article that we're going to look at uh, today as part of the summation of the biblical stance of the evangelical free church is to look at this uh, statement about God. And so as we've gone through in the past, we've looked at our core values and we said if you pick up one of those pamphlets and you look at it, you'll see the core values of Rock Haven Church. These are the things that we emphasize. And within that, we also believe these things as part of the evangelical free church. And it's a little bit more complex. But we've said before that oftentimes you look at core values and they say things like, we believe in God. We believe in the Bible. We believe in Jesus and salvation and, and, and so forth and so on. And that's fine. But specifically, what do you believe about those things? And so As we have in the past, we've gone through our core values. We're going to go through a little bit deeper of some of those things as we go through the 
articles of the Statement of Faith of the Evangelical Free Church, the first one of which is about God, right? And it is appropriate, and it is right, and it is good that God is first. In the weeks to come, we'll look at the Bible. In the weeks to come, we will look at the headship of Jesus. In the weeks to come, we'll look at all of those things. But in each of these, as I'm going to introduce it to you today, you'll see it's quite complex. It's big stuff. But we're going to take a couple of weeks to go through each article. And what I'm hoping, praying, is that this sparks discussion in our church family for us to begin to ask applicative questions of one another of the difference that this makes in our everyday lives. By no means do I believe that I am going to comprehensively cover every element of the biblical integrity of these statements. I mean, that's what seminaries are for. And I'm no seminary professor. Oh, wait, we have one. Joel, where are you? I'm going to have him do it. But the fact is, is we're going to take some highlights. And so what I'd like to do now is I'd like to read to you Article 1, and we have this information, you find it on our website, but listen to Article 1 of the Statement of Faith of the Evangelical Free Church. It begins like this. We believe, and that's significant because you recognize that this is a corporate belief. We all believe this. If you're part of our church family, right, if you become a member of Rock Haven Church, that is to say, you agree and you, like we, believe. We believe in one God, creator of all things, holy, infinite, perfect, and eternally existing in a loving unity of equal, uh, three equally divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Having limitless knowledge and sovereign power, God has graciously purposed from eternity to redeem a people for Himself and to make all things new for His own glory. That's a mouthful, but that's why we're going to cover it in a number of different sessions as we go through the weeks. Today, we're going to look at two elements of this statement of faith. We are going to look at God as the creator and how that impacts our redemption, to be redeemed. The word redeemed means to be bought back. We are purchased, bought back from sin by, as the Bible teaches, the blood of Jesus His death on the cross that should have been ours, his shed blood canceled the written code of death, of sin that stood against us when he purchased us back from the curse of sin into life. That's the gospel. His power to redeem belongs only to him. And in the world that we live in, and statistically speaking, if people who believe endless myths and worldly wisdom, contrary to biblical doctrine, it is important for us to be affirmed, first and foremost, that God is the creator God. 
And for a long time, whether it be evolution or it be the, the scientific unbelief somehow that weak-minded people or people in poverty are the only ones who follow Jesus, for the first time in history as we grow in our true knowledge of science and understanding of the natural world, there is a growing number of people who are affirming the case of an intelligent design. That all that we see, feel, and touch, that there is no way that any of this came into existence because of some cosmic soup that got bolted by lightning and all of a sudden a little dude walked out of it. That everything that we see, and this is important, because if this whole life of ours is just one gigantic big biology experiment gone amok, right? Then there's hopelessness and there's no purpose. But if God, by his genius, power, willed into existence the creation of men and women, then there is great purpose, great value, and consequential hope. And so we're going to look at that and how it impacts our redemption. Um, I'm going to do something, uh, and I'm quite fearful about it, but I do believe that God has prompted me to do so. I'm going to read to you, and as my wife said, slowly, slowly, but I'm going to read uh, quite a chunk, actually. I don't want you to follow along. I want you to listen. But I'm going to beg you, when you start to hear familiar terms, please listen with your heart. Listen and reflect. Listen to the things that are repeated. Listen fresh like you've never heard it before. Because oftentimes, part of the reason why we don't grow is we intellectually ascend. And because I heard something when I was just a wee lad, when I hear it again, I go back there. Okay? But that's not how we grow. And that's not how the Bible works. And we'll study that as we get to that core value. You may have, as I said, lots of questions, and as we continue on this journey, we'll, we'll continue to unpack these things together and in personal conversations. But this morning, if you would, just listen. And what I'm going to ask you to do in your listening is to just grant yourself permission to listen as you see fit, right? If I'm going to concentrate on listening, I have to close my eyes because I get too distracted. So feel free to close your eyes. If you're looking at someone sitting with you right now, say, if he closes his eyes, he'll go to sleep. Let him. <laughs> maybe, maybe what the gift God wants to give that individual is just a little siesta. Okay? And we can do that. But would you, as Mariel plays, would you just listen to God's Word? And I know it's going to take a bit, but we need to hear the entirety of it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep, 
and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that it was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the water. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse. The waters were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed each according to its kind. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which there is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on earth to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kind, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created them male 
and female. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, to every bird of heaven, and to everything that creeps on the earth, and everything that has breath in it, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. This is God's story. And this is his word. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much that to you and you alone belongs the very power to bring forth order out of nothing. That to you and you alone belongs the power to think, to speak, and for things to exist. We thank you that you are good, and that therefore then know what good is. And we thank you that out of the kindness of your character that you have extended to us, your good. Lord, as we embark on this study of what we believe in accordance with your word, may your spirit convict our hearts, teach our hearts, renew our hearts, transform our lives, that we might grow ever more assured of the hope that is ours through your redeeming power found only in your Son, Jesus, that each person here might agree that to you and you alone belong the honor and glory and power now and forevermore. Amen. The patriarchs of the faith record for us all over the implications of understanding this central truth that God is the creator God. In Isaiah chapter 40, uh, Isaiah says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. And the implications of that are also shared with us. That since he's the creator, then what difference does it make in our lives? He does not grow weary. He does not faint. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to those who are weak. To him who has no might, he increases their strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary. The psalmist wrote, You have formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows them so very well. 
to the depths of who we are, our understanding of the revelation of God's power through creation is significant. Because as image bearers of God, we need to know that when he created men and women, he created all living beings with the highest dignity. Even though there are times we don't always act so dignified. But his plan was to create that which is good. In Nehemiah chapter 6, it says, You are the Lord, you alone, you have made heaven the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is in them, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. Our understanding that God is the creator God also correlates with our knowledge and understanding that since he is the creator, he is also the sustainer. He preserves, holds together, protects, and is actively involved in everything. One, one man that I met uh, and, and shared with me one time in his understanding of this, he said to me, he says, so profound, so powerful, so in charge and sovereign of all things is God that I can't do anything without him being involved. I said, oh yeah, like what? And he said, like this. <sighs> Stop and think about that for a minute. And yet we conduct ourselves some days like we're in charge. Nehemiah said that all of heaven worships you, and indeed it does. And our understanding of God as our creator, disbanding all of the worldly wisdom that we may have been taught growing up and coming to, by faith, trusting in his power and his power alone to do these things, When we do that, we join in heaven's praise. And we have a record of what it sounds like in the book of Revelation. And it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. And so I've read to you, we've reflected, and now we need to apply. If you have your Bible, would you go ahead and open it to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We have some Bibles that we can share with you, right? If you're relatively new to the Bible, right? Colossians is about that deep in the New Testament. It's a real short book. So Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, and then we have Go Eat Popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, okay? And we're going to look at Colossians 1, a letter that Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossus and which a letter that has been protected by God's sovereign power for us to study uh, as part of the canon of Scripture that we'll look at in the weeks to come, uh, that we, too, might grow. Okay? Colossians chapter 1. Also, I might also note that in my office, I have a whole bunch of, uh, we have Bible tabs. If you've been looking for some Bible tabs to throw in your Bible so that you can kind of turn to that and find it relatively quickly, why don't you give me a shout, let me know, or better yet, sign up for 101 and I'll give them to you there. Okay? 
Let's look at Colossians chapter 1 and understand that in the beginning of this chapter, for the sake of time today, the entire opening of this passage is one of great thanksgiving. And that's the appropriate position of the heart of the believer upon recognizing that God, the eternal God, the only holy God, the one true God who holds and exercises all this awesome power did not just look upon us in sin and squish us like bugs. He looks upon us and seeing past our indignant actions, He, knowing how He created us, has chosen to redeem us. And the affirming work of the, to the believer is, is, is one of great affirmation and thankfulness. And for the, the doubter, it's one of invitation to come and to lay aside and behold and believe in God's Word. And to the skeptic, a bit of a warning. But nonetheless, thanksgiving remains to the one and only true God who is and was and will always be so very, very good. And what he has done for us in Colossians chapter 1, we're going to pick it up in verse 13, says that he, that being God the Father, and we'll study the Trinity or the triunity of God in the weeks to come, but he, God the Father, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption because of the forgiveness of our sins. And again, I told you, it is impossible, but in that one verse, we can impact three sermons. Okay? You're like, John, you've been here 17, 18 years. How come you haven't done that before? I don't know. I'm growing too. Okay? But the fact of the matter is, out of our thanksgiving, right, God has done something, excuse me, God has done something great, and then the first response from us is one of thankfulness, okay? He's done what no one else can do, transferring us from a domain of darkness to the kingdom of Jesus. Verse 15, speaking of Jesus, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, When we see this word image, remember what we just heard in Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1, it said, God said, let us make man in our own image. And so in the image of God, he created them. That use of the word image is one of reflection. Yes, of of certain natural faculties, but it is the reflection much like a son of a father's likeness right? It is not the exact representation. That's why so many of us look different, right? We can't all be so good looking, Willie. But the fact is, the fact is, is that this use of the word image is more precise. It is like what we find in Hebrews chapter, you don't have to turn there, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 that says that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and, listen, the exact imprint of his nature. 
and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So this specific, he, that being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, is the very reason that Jesus said to his disciples when they said, Jesus, show us the Father. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. He is the exact expression of God's person. He's the firstborn of all creation. By him, all things were created. Everything that I read in Genesis chapter 1, who is the architect of those things? Jesus. That means when God said, let us, God was speaking not to some angelic host, not to some outside authority of power, but in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit said, let us make. It's the pinnacle of our creation. Let us make a man and a woman as a representation of who we are, a relationship. Let me make another relationship. We'll study the implication of those things as we go. But in Jesus then, right, all things were created. Things invisible, those things visible, heaven and earth, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I'm going to come back to the old, uh, hold together piece. <clears throat> One of the reasons that we're not growing, I think this is a hypothesis not really well thought out. Well, it's been thought about a lot, but I've probably not articulated it out loud, so here we go. One of the things that hinders our Christian growth, and I'm not knocking it, I think holidays are great, is the celebration of holidays. Because what happens is, is that in holidays, we recognize uh, singular events in Christendom, in history. And then what we do is we add all kinds of extra stuff to it, right? Like nowhere in the Bible does it say you must have a Christmas ham, right? It says you have to have a prime rib. <laughs> I made that up. It does say you're supposed to invite your pastor if you do have a prime rib. Consequentially, and this is why I just want to make mention of when we talk more uh, individually about this, but what happens is when we're just we lads and lasses, we lads and lasses, we come into Christmas and we celebrate the baby Jesus, and we go, ah, right? He was born just like me. And then consequentially, what we do is we think that that's the beginning of his entire ministry. That's not what Christmas is. Christmas is the incarnation of this Jesus, who was before all things, who was there in the beginning, took on flesh to do what none of us could do. And so Jesus, who has eternally existed, came and became the Son of Man that he might die the death that should have been ours. And what's more, that he lived the life that we too are called to live as an example in all things. Okay, and so I remember for the first time whenever when I read this, right? I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa! Back up the truck. Who created Jesus? 
Jesus created. And this is why He, fully God, in His creative power, is able also to, by that same power, destroy sin and to sustain and to keep and preserve each and every one of us. Um, and another study in another time in another place is it says that um, he, Jesus, is three things. He's the head of the body. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. And that word preeminent is important. He's, he's the most important. He's supposed to be first in all things important. That's, that's what it is. And it's head of the church. It's his, Right? It doesn't belong to any board. It doesn't belong to any denomination. It doesn't belong to any group of pastors. It's his. When we, by faith, put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are transferred from the domain of darkness and in the kingdom of the beloved Jesus, who is the head of the church. And there is no vicar. There is no understudy. There is no anyone who can speak on behalf of him because he has already spoken and given to us of his word. By faith, when we participate in that, we become part of his family and he does all of these things or it is all of these things right that he might be first but consequentially look with me at verse 19 for in him who and everybody say Jesus oh why word <clears throat> can we try that again right, everybody do this first go <clears throat> okay for in him, that being, Jesus. thank you, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. There is no lacking. You don't have like this great big God of the Old Testament and then this, you know, and this fearful response. And then you got Jesus, my buddy. This is the exact personhood of God. And if you think that there's one power here and a lesser power here and a lesser power here, you're wrong. But God was so well pleased. Why? Another study. But he was well pleased and remained pleased because, verse 20, through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The implication of that, ladies and gentlemen, is our understanding that it was God's good pleasure, right, to redeem and to work and to exercise for his glory and his exaltation, not, not, Please listen, not our salvation. Ooh. And what I mean by that is, is part of the reason why we don't grow is we want all the bits. I'll take the good bits. The tough bits you can keep. But the good bits are that if I put my faith and trust in Jesus, I can go to heaven someday. Yay. But that's just one bit. That's just one piece. That's just one, and it's not even the main piece. 
Because if you understand that he is the creator God and that he and he alone holds that power to speak and things come into existence, to by some force that I can't even fathom holds all things together, right? That, that in him and who he is, that just by by his existence and his holiness and his glory, he should, his existence demands worship. That everything that he's doing, he only did because only he could do it. And so our response, thankfulness, should be the exaltation of God in all things. Not just saying, well, thank God he saved me. Now I can do whatever I want. That's not him being preeminent in your life. And so the warning I have, a question I have, is how far and how many times can you disseminate God's revealed character in Jesus Christ, including that he is the creator God, before you no longer have the salvation that your very heart longs for? Do you know what I mean by that? If in our world today, a growing number of people, by an alarming percentage, are saying that the Bible is full of myths, right? And that it's not the only absolute truth, and that there might be lots of other ways to get to heaven, what are they even longing for? And then if we look at the world we live in and it's full of hopelessness and despair and longing and depression and anxiety and all the things go along with that, what could possibly be the answer? To let God be God. Call sin, sin, that's fine. Well, he's already proven there's nothing too big for him, right? He's, he's got the power and only the power to destroy that. And what's more, to him and him alone belongs the only power that can transform our lives from one of darkness into light and then preserve and keep us until the revealing of our true home and our time with him. He will sustain. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, says Jesus. He will bless he will continue to work for our understanding that the power that belongs only to him is the same power that he uses to redeem us. That power to destroy sin, to reconcile us, to sustain us, and to take us to be with him where he is. An understanding that he is the creator, God should also increase our worship. It is aligned with heaven as we make those proclamations, but what's more, it facilitates an everyday fact of worship as we see with our eyes the very fingerprints of the Creator God everywhere we go. Whether we are on hikes or on walks, whether we're watching the birth of little children, whether we are hunting, whether we are fishing, whether or not we are farming, gardening, wherever we go, the opportunity to recognize the fingerprints of the Creator God and how very much He loves us and that no matter what we see in the world, today to remember that the earth, its creation, is also worth redeeming. In accordance with Romans chapter 8, which we don't have time to get into, all of creation groans long to be set free from the curse of sin also. Why? Because in the beginning, God said, it is very good. And so creation will be redeemed. Men and women will be redeemed. 
And in the midst of all of those things and the value that God has placed on that, that should call and stir and work within us a greater stewardship of the creation that he's given us in our dominion. What I mean by that is we have an accountability, ladies and gentlemen, to be good stewards of the resources that God has given us. Like the farmers in our communities who care for the earth, who treasure what God has given and what he's doing that each and every one of us can see. Holding in a balance not to begin to worship the created as some are in the habit of doing in the culture that we live in, remembering, right, that as God says in Romans chapter 1, those who worship created things have given over. Even though they acknowledge the creator exists, they've worshiped the created rather than the creator. And that futility of mind has its own set of consequences. But that God wants to do in us is he wants to, as we understand all of these things, give us a growing assurance as we trust in his manifestation of his glorious power to bring about his good in our lives. Mary, bring your team up. I know we went over. I went and talked to the nursery workers, begged their forgiveness, and they granted me one, one permission to finish what I started. I'd like to read from you, right, one more piece of what we look forward to. And it's part of John's revelation. When he said, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw coming the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be to them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water without payment, and the one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God, and he will be my son. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of glory with great joy, the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, belong the glory, majesty, and dominion and authority before all time, now, and forevermore. Amen. Have a good afternoon. Call with questions. We'll talk to you soon.